Hey everyone, Matt Lowe here. Welcome to the 122nd episode of Bouncing Back, a video series meant to give people who have been laid off to COVID-19 an opportunity to sell themselves to new employers in the ad industry. And this is the 80th episode as part of my partnership with the Avail List, an unbelievable website that spotlights all the amazing talent in the ad industry who are ready to get back to work. For this episode, we have April Soterman, who was most recently a freelance experiential designer slash ACD at Campfire. April, really happy to have you here. Hey. Maybe maybe start off by telling everyone how you've been dealing with this past year and, and how you've been keeping busy. Oh, man. So, yeah, as you said before, I was previously freelancing with Campfire. They're an experimental agency in New York. Uh, we were working on some very cool interactive experiences. Uh, I was working on one for South by Southwest. Um, and, of course, that, that got canceled right before. Um, also, personally, I had just produced the first run of my immersive theater piece in San Francisco. Um, is called the Department of Emotional Labor. It's like this uh, speculative soft bureaucracy about the ways we like care for people. Um, oh. And I was planning on taking it to New York. Already had some places. Oh, no. I was like, okay, I produced it in, in SF in the fall. I was ready to take it to New York. Had some places. And I had people in mind. And then, of course, uh, we weren't going to oh, do no. any immersive in-person theater. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that's not yeah. happening. But maybe now. I mean, that yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. So yeah, during uh, lockdown, I actually took a lot of classes. Um, yeah, so I had, you know, everything froze for a moment, unemployment. Um, so I actually took a bunch of classes for fun, just like writing classes, game design, machine learning, uh, brushed up on my coding skills, also took a little more like creative coding classes as well. Um, worked through some projects that I had actually put off for a while. So that was that was kind of nice to like, like uh, later in the year, you know, I was able to actually be in a creative headspace again and actually like, start working on some of those. Definitely had to take a break, though, of course, for a while. Um, but yeah, this this past uh, this past year, um, I've been teaching interactive storytelling at a school in Portland, um, teaching remote. Um, so I've been teaching like narrative design for games and immersives. It's like part creative writing and part game design uh, for college students. So that's yeah. awesome. Is this your first time teaching, or you've been doing it for a while? Oh, I yeah, I previously taught at Pratt Institute and the School for Poetic Computation. Um, so yeah, it wasn't the first time, but it was the first time having to teach fully remote. So yeah, a little weird. I was I was doing the same. How do you like teaching though? Um, I really liked teaching interactive storytelling because it's kind of like all the intersections of things I really enjoy because I was introducing them to immersive theater and online games and you know talking about how do you write branching narratives and how do you provide an emotional arc. Um, but I will say definitely online is a challenge just in terms of like gauging energy levels and oh, like yeah. okay we're all tired of Zoom you know so. Yeah, but remote can't can't be remote teaching for that. So exactly. Yeah. Maybe tell everyone a little bit about yourself, how you got into advertising, how you got into the experiential space, some clients you've worked on, you know, where you've worked. Yeah, for sure. So I actually started in architecture. Um, undergrad was in architecture. I actually helped found a educational startup. Uh, back in 2013, I was one of the five founding students. Um, that's sort of how I got connected with a little more of like uh, agency experiential work. Um, I actually worked at a full-time at an architecture firm for a few years in Seattle, um, but I was working on their experiential design studio. So it was a little more like, uh, you know, experimental, a little more like uh, not just traditional architecture work. So that was kind of when I started like learning about uh, more like the 
shorter term creative projects. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I actually got semi famous for guerrilla street art back when I lived in Seattle, which eventually evolved to commission street art. Um, I was actually working under the name Weird Side Projects because um, I was like, oh, I'm going to keep everything anonymous. I don't want to like worry about, you know, when you have client work, you have uh, certain oh. things, right? <laughs> you have like certain things where you're like, I have to be professional. It has to be yeah. good. It has to be my best work versus I, I had this little outlet called Weird Side Projects, um, which as the name says, it gave me some freedom to be like, okay, cool. I'm making weird side projects. Okay. It's okay if they're not perfect. It's okay if they're little funny or strange or you know they last like a week sometimes they get taken down so that's a lot of street art and also some code and twitter bots and things like that um but that's actually a lot of people found me through weird side projects and that was actually i i would get a lot of work because of weird side projects because it was like oh this shows like my personality shows initiative shows like things that i would do if you're like hey i have the budget is whatever's in my pocket and this is what i do and this is how i go and then it goes viral and then you know so that that was kind of a start of like my art practice and like a lot of the creative work um that i i did so it's, it's kind of funny weird side projects would then lead into some of my like longer form pieces but yeah that that's awesome fun. i mean i totally love the weird side projects and then you called it weird side projects i think that's just such a good outlet any creative person needs somewhere that you know, they can go to do work that isn't being judged and is just kind of like, you know what, even if it's not perfect, it's what I want it to be. Yeah. And, and if I, awesome. you know, definitely like enjoying it, enjoying creative work, right. And you know, just doing things for the fun of it. Well, was it painting, spray painting? I know you said some like, yeah, so too, it was but... actually, it was actually street signs in the beginning. Um, so I'd make these like custom street signs. They would say like, um, like one, the one that I'm probably the most famous for it was a street sign that said notice um, and it says I never stopped loving you I hope you're well and it was like put up in this park and a bunch of people found it and they took pictures and they put it online and you know people cried and it was great and then so that was kind of the start and the other ones that said like attention you are wonderful and deserve every happiness um, so that one, you know, people thought the city of Minneapolis put it up, like, it, you know, they're like, they thought it was an official city sign, because these are, you know, these are metal street signs, right. you know, they're, they're manufactured to actual, like, street sign, you know, requirements. Um, and so, yeah, I actually run those, I had a pretty successful Kickstarter with those a couple years ago, um, and now they're being sold in some museum stores and such like that, so that's, that's awesome. kind of just like a side. And you did it all on your own, or you worked with someone, I mean, to make the official signs and to go install them, and yeah, actually it was, I did have a manufacturer, but I did install them all on my own. And I did like, <laughs> yeah, I did, I did run all of it on my own. I wrote everything on my own, designed everything on my own and like put up. Yeah. So Weird Side Project was, people thought I was actually a lot of people. It was actually just me. So that's amazing. And where'd the inspiration come from? You know, both of those signs at least were, or it seems, you know, I saw I went through some of them on your website, but it seems like those were kind of you know, speaking to people so that they feel seen and feel heard and feel loved. So, you know, that's amazing. And then some of the, you know, Twitter bots and tech bots, what was that about? Yeah. Um, one of them, uh, let's see, I think, I mean, again, these are like weird side projects. Right? So one of them, I remember, I, I remember seeing some article that was talking about like a Google AI trying to write recipes or something like that. Um, and I was thinking how I wasn't really into, or no, maybe it was romance novels. I don't remember, but I ended up writing a Twitter bot in the span of an afternoon that wrote food-themed romance novel excerpts. <laughs> uh, I think it was called Food Romance Bot. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was just like a side one. Um, I had these fortune cookies that say things like she never really loved you. 
um, they're called misfortune cookies, but it's like, I don't just like hand it out to people willy nilly. I like, don't take one if you're allergic to eggs or self-reflection. Like, you know, you kind of like, it's one of those things where it's like, I think putting something out in the public space that like is encouraging, you know, they like totally someone come up like uh, with something that made them feel bad, just like out of nowhere. So, you know, it's kind of like, hey, what are the things that are delightful that people see versus something that, you know, doesn't make you feel great. It's like, hey, it's not funny if you're just, you know, making someone feel bad. Oh, oh totally. Okay. And those and those were side products. What about, you know, agencies that you worked at? And and maybe I saw, you know, you taught at a few different places that you mentioned. What kind of experience mm-hmm. you had, you know, in the agency world? Yeah, so I did some freelance work for Second Story, uh, Campfire, Leo Burnett. Um, also did work for clients like Microsoft, Amazon, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, doing like exhibit design, experiential stuff, uh, design strategy, uh, concept ideation as well. Usually a lot of strategy work actually. Um, but yeah, also keeping up my independent art practice. And again, most people find me through the other things that I've made, like uh, the Museum of Almost Realities, the Department of Emotional Labor, um, thing, things like that. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's great. And Unfortunately, what do you look for? With, with, no go for it I I was about to say unfortunately um you can't just like put NDA work on your you know uh, publicly up on your website all the time so people do find me a lot through my personal creative work yeah right that's great though and and what are you looking for in your next role do you want to go more agency side and and bring you know whether it's your idea or or creative you know experiential ideas to life or do you want to do more you know freelance work or consulting where do you want to go next I think the priority right now is just like interesting projects with good people. Um, like I really like solving tricky little problems. Uh, you know, when someone's like, hey, we just have this prompt or we just have like this IP and we're trying to do something new and different with it. Um, so it doesn't, I, I don't really have a preference for uh, freelancer full time. It's just, again, what interesting projects with good people. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have a favorite project that you've worked on? Uh, yes. Um, so I did this piece back in, well, let's see, the most, there's there's two. There's one that I did last year that I'm very proud of, but there was one I did back in 2017 that is um, also one of my favorites. Um, this is, again, it's another personal project, um, but it's called the Museum of Almost Realities. And it's this uh, immersive installation about a collection of artifacts from the life you might've had. Um, so it was shown uh, three different places. It was shown in New York, uh, also in the Seattle Art Museum, and then another pop-up space in Chicago. Um, and I've had hundred, you know, lots of people go through it. People have cried. I still get emails about it years later. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of one of the things I'm very proud of. Um, it, it takes people through this like um, emotional arc, essentially, um, but it's very memorable. Um, and it's, it, it, it really has like this sticking power. Um, but yeah, I did all the coding, design, production, writing, everything for it. Um, and it, it, it took me, it was, it's one of those like very comprehensive pieces that you can see that, Hey, I, I did every single part of this. And I had this like very clear sense of what I wanted for every single aspect of this installation. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. You're making a lot of people cry. Sometimes I make them feel good. That that's actually something that I've had to to shed. If if I can plug another project I did, yeah. so someone was saying like, "Wow, you're really gonna make people cry." I'm like, "That's not everything." So I actually, <laughs> I I know I was actually I was like, "Oh no, I'm getting a reputation for this." Um, so I actually made this piece um, last year, and this was this was a lockdown piece. 
Um, it was called The End of the Day. Um, and it's this interactive public audio installation that can only be experienced at sunset. Um, it's about uh, a moment many, many years from now when you're looking back and reflecting on a life well lived. Um, and so I did all the work for that. It was installed in three locations over around New York. Um, that one is about this like very like hopeful moment uh, and about reclaiming like a good future um, as like a brave and hopeful act, especially because it was it was made for like fall 2020, which is you know also a very challenging time as well. So it was more about like, hey, how do we get people to like reclaim that hopeful future? How do we get them to like zoom out on the time horizon? How do we get them to like kind of like think about other things they can look forward to and not just you know be trapped in you know this very terrifying moment? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was. That was something that was not not make people cry, <laughs> made them feel very great. And it actually it was nominated for an International Interaction Design Award also as well. So. Yeah, that's amazing, congrats. So are, are all of these personal projects or there are some clients involved or there's a, a brand or a partner that helps you brand to life? Those were actually all personal as in I, yeah, I wrote these, I everything um, promoted as well. Um, yeah, those are two personal projects, but um, yeah, completely on my own. I did have a little hop on the sound design for end of the day. Um, and sometimes when I ran it in the like Seattle Art Museum, I had some people helping me run it as well. But these were all self-initiated, uh, self, self, completely self-done projects. Yeah, all, all amazing. How do you juggle the side projects and all the, you know, work that you want to do on your own that all sounds amazing and, you know, potentially an agency job or, or you know, work where there's a client behind it kind of guiding you? Yeah, honestly, I do like doing design work for other people and creative work for other people because it's nice to like play in somebody else's sandbox for a while. Like I really like doing my own personal work, but it is also nice to like play, yeah, like have have someone else's constraints, have someone else's deadline, have another team to work with, have people to bounce ideas off. So I kind of like do uh, stagger the personal projects in between, you know, those, those other pieces, or sometimes I'll have like a residency, you know, an art resonate for two weeks, and then I'll knock everything out. And then I'll go back to, you know, another contract in between. Uh, but yeah, I do like solving problems for other people. It's like a, a, a kind of a different shift of like, hey, some, you know, playing in someone else's sandbox, someone else built a world, so I don't have to, I just have to figure out how to translate it to a, a cool experience for other people to, you know, to other people to go through. So yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to like, with certain things with with my own work, I have to build everything from the ground up, build it from scratch, you know, come up with everything versus like someone else is like, hey, we have this IP, we have this brand, we have something else that's already been established. You can start from there and then take it somewhere else. So it's it's fun. It's like a different type of like different type of work, but I do enjoy it. Oh, of course. And clearly the this question answers itself with everything you've done, but what are some of your best qualities? <laughs> Oh man, this is the part where it's like, okay, I have to like <laughs> talk about myself. And all right, um, yeah, I I am very flexible and versatile. I'm able to work in different mediums. I, I do start with the story first, and then figure out like, well, what are the experience? How do we want people to experience this? How do we want? What do we want people to remember afterwards? Um, and then I develop uh, after I like established emotional core first. Um, so yeah, being able to tell stories in different mediums, um, I make work that is very memorable. Um, and, you know, again, it, it sticks with a lot of audience members, um, you know, even months or years later. Um, 
yeah, storytelling, different mediums, and I'm very eager to learn. I I'm I just like jumping into tricky little problems as well. So it doesn't really matter exactly like, hey, it's like some folks are like, hey, this medium first or this, um, we want to create this specific endpoint. I'm like, hey, what do we want the audience to remember? What do you want them to feel? And then let's try to, you know, make something that captures that. Totally. And where did this love for, I mean, I know you have a background in architecture and installations and public art, but where, where'd that all start? I mean, some of the stuff you're doing is amazing. So just curious, you know, how, how did it start? How do you do your first one? Start? I was like, so I was like, I'd like to play with Legos as a kid, but I don't <laughs> think that's the answer you're looking for. No, I mean, I, so, for me, I always used to play with Lego. I could never do math or numbers. I always liked using my hands to build whatever it is. And then I realized there was this thing called advertising where you can problem solve with, without numbers and, you know, thinking outside the box. And I was like, I want to do that. So I think, you know, you know, maybe it isn't Legos, but the, the, you know, desire to create and build things from a young age clearly translated into something. Yeah. I think also just, I don't know. I think just this, this idea of like, you know, when you find a piece of work or, or you know, art or immersive experience, anything that really inspires you. Um, and sometimes it's like, you want to like also put something back out there too. So it's like, oh, it's not just like, you know, something, you know, you'll take something, you know, like listen to a piece of music or, you know, watch a movie or something and makes you feel this feeling. And sometimes you want to like share that feeling with other people too, or you'll, you'll feel something on your own and you want to like, yeah. how do we share this feeling? How do we convey this feeling? Like, oh, this is a sadness or this is a, a need, or this is, a, I want this to convey the sense of hope or, you know, hope for the future. Like, how do I share that feeling with other people? Um, and that, that is definitely something that, you know, drives a lot of my work. Yeah, that's that's yeah. amazing. What would a company be getting if they did reach out and hire you, whether it was full time or freelance or just for you know consulting? Yeah, uh, definitely a creative approach to problem solving. Um, I work across a lot of mediums, so I definitely have a very strong spatial, physical background. Um, again, architecture, a lot of physical installations, immersive. Um, but I'm pretty fluent with uh, online experiences as well. Um, I'm very strong conceptually, um, but I also do have the hard skills to back it up, like Adobe, 3D, some coding, you know, a little bit of illustration as well. So I'm able to not only conceptualize, but it's like, oh, I have this experience in like actually producing and executing work as well. So. Right, which, which again is amazing. The, the last question for me really is if there's a dream client, brand, partner, maybe project that you want to do or, or, or someone you want to give a little shout out to that you want to work with. Yeah, I will say the experiential work, uh, experiential agencies and stuff have been doing really interesting work, and especially in the past year, especially like having to pivot. How do you create experiences that aren't just like, hey, we took something and we just put it online, but creating something that really, you know, takes advantage of what we can do online and what is made for like online work. Um, I've seen some really cool stuff from Little Cinema. Um, I think they're based in. LA. Um, so they, they've been doing some really cool things um, online. Um, and I've definitely seen a lot of just like hybrid, like physical and digital experiences as well that I, I would love to do something in that space. But also with everything opening up, I don't know, this, it'll, it'll definitely be a interesting, like, interesting to just keep an eye on how things keep on evolving and how like, hey, maybe, you know, what, what sorts of things did we like from this past year in terms of like how experiential has evolved and what are the things are like, Hey, well, 
we can really do this when we start like meeting up again in person. So totally. And I lied. That's not my last question. <laughs> how do you think, how do you think COVID is gonna, you know, coming out of COVID now you think activations and installations will kind of go back to, to what they were, or you think there will be kind of a new lens on it? You know, you're not going to get 300 people in a room anymore experiencing an art gallery. Like, is, is that going to change? I know that some folks are very eager to like, you know, just go back to how things were. And the, a lot of folks are also, we're trying to adjust, you know, we're trying to like, we're not ready for, like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go to San Diego Comic-Con right now right. to the way it was before. I'm, I'm not ready for that. Um, so I think, uh, but it's been also really great in terms of accessibility, like in terms of, hey, certain things like people wouldn't be able to do this in person, they wouldn't be able to travel and see something in person and they can still get a really cool experience because we've created a like physical digital hybrid of like, hey, you get something in the mail, you also get this online experience or you have, uh, you know, different like uh, different parts, you know, that are that are like, you know, spaced out in different ways that you can form this cohesive whole. Um, and also, I really believe in public art as well, because it's like one of those ways that's, hey, it's outside, it's safe, you know, it can be distant. Um, so I think there's there's definitely some interesting things in like location-based, like, yeah. you know, app on your phone-based work, public art-based work. Um, and again, as I've said about like hybrid, you know, experiences as well. So it, it'll, I, I think like people, we do want to connect to each other and we do want to, you know, like have those things that come from like in-person, in-person interactions, in-person conversations. But I think no one, I, I wouldn't want to jump in the deep end, you know, right away. We're going to have to like ease back into it. Yeah, totally. And personally, do you like the, the digital world or do you like playing in, you know, real physical installations and experiences? I personally just really like physical objects installations and experiences um but i think yeah in this past year i've definitely been making a lot more like online like game based or again like remote based because it's like hey this is where people are how do we meet people where they are right now so totally well now that was my last question so <laughs> really appreciate you hopping on taking the time to, to answer some questions yeah thanks so much for having me this was fun of course what's the best way for people to get in touch with you yeah, um, they can uh, email me at my web um, at my email, uh, or they can find me on my website. Um, I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Everything is April Sotarman, so A P R I L S O E T A R M A N. Um, so April Sotarman at Gmail or at April Sotarman on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Yeah, amazing. And I'll share all that out when I post it. You know, in the next week or two on LinkedIn. So. Everyone will know where to find you. Great. Thanks Amazing. so much. Yeah. And that's a wrap for the 122nd episode of Bouncing Back. If you know anyone who may want to sell themselves to recruiters looking for talent in the ad industry, have them shoot me an email at malow930 at gmail.com or check out the availlist.com for a large list of people who are ready to get back to work in the industry. And now you can also check out these episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts under Bouncing Back and Advertising. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Okay.